Jesus, we just ask that you tonight would just shine down. Father, we thank you that you are here. Holy Spirit, we recognize you are here. And we say you are welcome. Welcome to move in this place. Welcome to touch lives. Father, I pray right now that the light of heaven would come and invade every area of darkness. Darkness in our hearts, in our thoughts. Jesus, have your way. You are the light of the world. Holy Spirit, lead us into truth, into freedom, into liberty, and salvation tonight. I pray for everyone in here tonight that you would send your word. Your word is alive. It's not some old history book. It's a, it's a living word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word, you send it and you heal people with it. So I pray tonight, God, healing. I pray salvations tonight. I pray revelation tonight. Eyes to be open, Father. Have your way in this place, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, uh, this weekend is a time where we remember and reflect and even receive what Jesus has done. The birth, the life, the crucifixion, the death, and look, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what this whole, uh, resur I like to call it Resurrection Weekend, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, I know that it, real po popular is Easter. But this event has changed the entire world. And if it's not changed your life tonight, let you know that you're here for a reason. I believe that God's brought you here for such a time as this because this event can touch your life tonight also because it's a living event. It's an ongoing event. Jesus, on this day, about 2,000 years ago, on this Saturday, at this moment, he would have been in a tomb. Last night, we celebrated. It's kind of a strange thing to celebrate, but it is a celebration of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Then he was laid in the tomb. And tonight, we wanted to kind of do a timeline. So last night was the crucifixion. Tonight is when he was put in the tomb. And I want to talk about that a little bit. It's somewhat of a sobering moment because of what took place. It was a very dark event. Uh, and tonight may be a sobering message for, for some, but I want to let you know that at the end, just like what happened in Jesus' life, it will bring hope and it will bring life. And here's the kicker for those who believe. Anything that I speak of when we worship, prayer, everything that we talk about over this weekend, one must receive in faith. Someone will say, well, just show me God will serve him. Well, it doesn't work that way. You step out in faith, and then he shows himself to you. So I just drop that in your little heart tonight for free as we dive into his word here as we get into the word. I, I want to talk about the three days that Jesus was in this tomb, kind of what took place. It's not completely clear, somewhat of a mystery of what took place during those three days, three nights, three moments. But one thing is for sure is that we know that First Peter speaks of him going to hell and preaching, as it were, to the prisoners in hell. Some, however that looked, somewhat of a mystery, but the Bible speaks of that in First Peter 3, 18 through 20. We know that the Bible speaks of him taking the keys of hell and death. 
Hell and death. Jesus has defeated hell and death so that we don't have to do that. We don't have to experience hell and we don't have to experience death. Well, our bodies may die, but the Bible says to be absent in the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So he came and defeated those things. Another thing, what's, what's so mysterious about those three days is he told one of the thieves on the cross, one of the thieves on the cross beside him said, hey, remember me. Everyone say choice. This is, this, this is a message within, in its own. Think about Jesus being crucified, and on each side of him was thieves that should have been there, and one was just jabbing Jesus, but the other, man, he really responded to Christ. There's something powerful about a choice. There was one thief in the moment of probably the darkest night of his life, one thief absolutely made a choice to completely deny Christ, speak evil of him, and the other thief received Christ. And so this is what Jesus said to the thief. Now think about this thief for a moment. He's not been water baptized. Don't know if he ever went to church. Don't know if he had any church clothes. Don't know if he put his praise on. Don't know any of those things. You know, never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Never came to an altar call. None of those things. But look what Jesus said. This is the power of his love and his grace. Look what he says to the thief. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What did that thief have to do? Believe. Will you say that with me? Believe. Believe. Wherever you're at tonight, spiritually, my prayer is that you would believe. You would believe on the, the way, the truth, and the life. Not believe in a God, but believe in the God. The only God. The Lord of all lords. The God of all gods. His name is Jesus. That's what's so powerful about Jesus. He stepped out of heaven, became man, but he was God in the flesh. He died for you and I because he loves you. I mean, to, to God, you're the best thing since sliced bread. I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, that's the message tonight, is that you have a choice in the matter. I titled this tonight, The Night of the Dark Soul, and what darkness, how it impacts us, how God uses darkness in our life. And I want to talk about two different kind of darknesses, if I can tonight, if you bear with me. What we know is that Jesus was crucified, darkness. Will you say that word with me? Because you're going to hear that a lot tonight. Say it with me. Darkness. We know that darkness covered the earth. Listen to this scripture. Matthew 27, 45. Now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. Never sinned. Qualified him to be the ultimate sacrifice. No more animal sacrifice. The blood of God was poured out. But he had to take on the sins of the entire world. And at that moment, because God is holy, he turns away from Jesus. Jesus goes, why have you forsaken me? A dark. We also know that Jesus died. Everyone say this with me. Darkness. That was a dark moment. We know that Jesus was placed in a tomb darkness. We know that it looked like Jesus was defeated and evil 
had won. Can you say that with me again? Darkness. I want to talk to two folks tonight. The first one is this. Those facing a dark night of your soul. Maybe you're in it right now. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in some kind of health situation. Maybe you don't even know what's going on, but you feel like you're in a dark night of your soul. Maybe you've been through that. Maybe you have never. I got news for you. One day you probably will if you seek after God. The dark night of the soul. I'm not a believer who thinks that once you come to know Jesus that everything's perfect and everything's peachy. I don't think it's Bible and I don't think it's real and I don't see it through the characters, the real characters in the Bible. But what I will tell you that God will use darkness in your life, dark seasons in your life, for a purpose. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, everything has its time. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. As a believer, there is enemies that you will see no more. There's enemies that God has defeated in your life. There's enemies whenever you come to know Jesus Christ, God stopped. But even in the midst of that, there's times of darkness that I see throughout the different wonderful men and women of faith in the Bible and good friends of mine that has been faced with darkness. The second persons that I want to talk to tonight is those living in darkness. Those that don't know Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're like the prodigal son who's walked away from Jesus and you've chosen to walk out of the light from the Father's house and living in darkness. Without Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a state of darkness. Without Christ, if you die in the state of darkness, then you will spend eternity separated from the God of life, from the God of light, from the God of love, and will be eternally separated into this place of darkness, doom, despair. Now, I know that's sobering, but I am a preacher of truth. Would you rather for me to tickle your ears tonight or share truth with you? Can I get your vote? Are we okay with sharing truth? I will do it as lovingly as I can, but I that someone spoke the truth to me December the 7th, 1986, when I came to know Jesus Christ, and he changed my entire everything. Because someone shared the gospel with me. Well, God desires no one faced with darkness, doom, or destruction. Why? Because he's made a perfect way, a perfect plan, and a perfect path. And that's through Jesus Christ. There is a major difference between a dark night of the soul for a believer and one who has chosen to live a life without Christ in the state of darkness. And I want to separate those two tonight. I hope that for the believer that might be living in the dark night of their soul, that this would encourage you. But for those that have never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, those who maybe have walked away from him, I believe tonight is your night. That you would come out of darkness and that you would experience 
God Almighty in a very, very real, real way. And we've been praying for you. We've been praying for you. With that being said, I want to show you a scripture out of Colossians. Colossians 1, 12 through 13. Some of them is going to be behind me. You can go to U version and go on there and find it. There's the little PowerPoint slide if you want to go to U version. It's, it's really cool because it's going to have my notes in there, different verses. And you can put your own notes in there also. Colossians 1, 12 through 13 says this. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified. Say that word with me, qualified. qualified. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us, partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He qualified us. He's delivered us. That, that means kind of like set us free. He's delivered. He's qualified us to be saints of the light. He's conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. That word qualify in the Greek is a very unique word. It's hikanu. Hikanu. And what it means is I make sufficient. I make sufficient. I think that God uses dark moments of our life to make sufficient, to get us ready, to render us fit, to qualify us to sufficiency, and henceforth someone who is qualified, someone who is capable, someone who is uh, competent. God uses these moments of darkness in our life. And I want to say something else about that. God uses all the dark moments in our life and he makes them for good in our lives. Whatever you may be faced with, he turns it for good. I'm not here to discuss, well, uh, did, did God do that or did Satan do that? You know, you can go around that bush all day long. All I know is the rain falls on the just and the unjust. All I know is that People who are seriously about following Christ, that love him with all their heart, they have dark moments in their life. And you see it throughout the entire Old and New Testament. And I want to talk to that tonight because I've been faced with them. Here's a beautiful scripture that you can always count on. You can always rest in. And it's Romans 8, 28. Because somebody's going through darkness right now. Somebody's going through some of the toughest moments of their life. It's like, I'm about to give up, man. I don't know what to do. I got good news for you tonight. Listen to this. And we know that all things work together for good. All for, say that word with me, all. all. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to to his purpose, to make us, listen, sufficient, render fit, render ready, get you ready, to qualify you for what, J.O.? What you, what, to, to, to work in the paper mill where I work, or to, to, to deliver milk, or to, to work? No, no, no. All of those things, but to get you ready for the purpose that he has upon your life. There's not one person in this room you may have not heard it. You may not walk in it at this point. But there's not a purpose in this room, person in this room that God does not have a specific purpose for your life. Say this with me. Belief. Believe. you got to believe. 
you got to believe it or you won't walk it out. You won't walk in it. But I tell you what, if I can convince you to believe tonight, your life will be changed. I'm here to tell you. Listen to this guy named Jacob. Anybody ever heard of Jacob before? Absolutely con artist. Liar, liar, pants on, fire. Manipulator. Worked it, baby. Work it, baby. He's got a hold of his brother's heel coming out the womb. He does. I want the blessing of God. I want to be first. I, he worked it all of his life. He manipulated his daddy. He manipulated his brother Esau. Man, he got paid back by his uncle one time. He worked his uncle. I tell you what, all he did was manipulate, 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 and he was faced with dark moments. But there was one night, one night, one dark night of the soul that changed everything where he wrestled with a man. And the man is a capital M man. Was it an angel? Was it God? Was, I'm not sure. But all I know, he, he was from God. I want to read that scripture to you just for a moment. Genesis 32, 34, it's, uh, 24, it says, Then Jacob was left alone. This is the night. He's ran from his dad. He's ran from his brothers. He's, uh, he ran from his brother. He's been working for his uncle. And now he's on his way back home. And after decades, he's going to meet his brother Esau, who he cheated and manipulated, who stole his birthright. And now the Bible says he's left alone. He gets with God. He's going to meet his brother the next day. He's more scared than a long-tailed cat. In a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> he is. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And the Bible says that Jacob prevailed. The man says, let me go. Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. Something took place. God popped his hip out. Probably he walked with a limp the rest of his entire life. That night, that man's life was changed. Character was changed. Everything was changed in a moment of time. Even his name was changed. No longer will you be called Jacob. You're going to be called Israel. And he becomes the father of the 12 nations. But listen to me. It was birthed in the darkest night of his soul. And then you have a guy named Joseph. Joseph, coat of many colors, dreamer, daddy's pet. Joseph, for 17 years, lived in darkness. His brothers throwed him into a pit, then they rescued him out of the pit, sold into slavery. A guy forbought him. Potiphar's wife had long ashes, and she was probably pretty fine. I don't know what she was really like. But she went after this young man because Joseph was, man, G'd up from the feet up. This brother was a handsome, he was a handsome guy. I don't know really what she, I know she was a cougar, I know that. 
cool. Just cooging out on poor little Joseph in there as a slave man. He's a slave just working it. Miss Cougar comes in there hitting on him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, you should read your Bible. Starts hitting on him, and he's like, man, I ain't going to have sex with you. Keeps rejecting, just pushes us away. And then she sets him up, as it were, false accusation. Man, I don't know if you know anything about a false accusation, but it's a bad thing that he tried to pull one over on his boss, Potiphar. He gets thrown into jail. He's in jail. Man, he interprets dreams of the baker, and it was amazing. And then he gets left in jail. He's forgotten. Think about this. Pit, accusation, prison. He gets forgotten in prison. I mean, it looks like, wow, Joseph, bro, you are one jacked up young man. But let me tell you, if you look at the scriptures, you'll see that God was with him all the time. Don't you think that just because you go through a dark season that God is not with you? He will never, ever, ever leave you alone if you're a believer tonight. No matter what you're going through. Don't ever listen to that lie like, oh, look what you've done now. You already blasphemy the Holy Spirit and God's left. He ain't left you. He made a covenant that he would never leave and now, look what happens with Joseph. His brothers come back. He saves an entire nation. He becomes the governor of Egypt. What was going on for 17 years in a state of darkness? The dark night of his soul. I'm talking about not one night. I'm talking about a season of darkness. I had a one young man ask me, well, he's actually older than me. How long am he was going through it? How long does this season last? I don't know. I don't know how long your season will be. He was going through some dark season. For Joseph, it was 17 years or so. But look what took place out of that. He became the governor during an terrible time where people were starving. I call him the first insurance man. He held back grain and food for seven years and then distributed and saved people's life. But it was birth. Listen, it was birth out of darkness. What will you do in the dark night of your soul? Psalms 105, 17 says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. And he was laid in irons, look, until the time of the word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Some of you have words over your life. And you're in the soul. I got news for you. Hold on. Hold on. Jonah. God tells Jonah, I want you to go preach to the great city of Nineveh. You know what Jonah does? Anybody ever heard of Jonah? You know what Jonah does? <laughs> Brother's like, I'm buying a ticket away from God to Tarshish. He gets a ticket, and he gets on a ship, and man, right from the get-go, ship comes under a storm, 
And they're like, man, draw lots. Jonah, whoo, sorry, bro. We got to boot you overboard. Now Jonah's thrown into the darkness of a sea. Think about that. And then what comes in this sea of big fish? <laughs> a fish sucks him up. There he is laying in, I guess, fish guts, seaweed, jellyfish, smelly. And the Bible says he cried out from Shiloh like hell. The fish spit him out. Guess what he goes and does? He goes and preaches. To the city of Nineveh. You don't think that God can change your mind? Oh, yeah, God can get your attention. And He can change it. He, he might do it in all kinds of fashions, but He can change your mind. And I want to let you know that God will use darkness a lot of times to do that. Peter, Matthew 26, 75. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so he went out and wept bitterly. The dark night of the soul of Peter, where God was doing a deep work in his heart. Simon, Simon Barjona, you're acting like Simon Barjona. You're kind of acting like the old Jew, or are you going to be Peter, the rock? And through the dark night of his soul, Peter's life was changed and he became one of the greatest apostles and birthed the New Testament church, preached 3,000 people were saved through darkness. How are you going to respond? See, at any time, you can bail out of darkness. You can bail out. When you're going through the dark moments of your life, you can bail Oh, I think I'm just going to check out. I think I'm just going to go, let me, let me get a hold. Let me, math, I'll just get on the porn. I just get, you can check out. Oh, adultery, fornication. You can check out. You can check out. But I encourage you tonight, don't bail. Because on the other side, we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. Jesus. Did you know that Jesus had the dark night of a soul? Listen to these scriptures. Luke twenty two forty four, and being in agony, this is Jesus. He prayed more earnestly. Then the sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Matthew twenty six thirty eight. Then he said to them, "My soul, this is Jesus, cold red. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here." And watch with me. Jesus himself faced darkness. Tonight I want to share with you six somewhat quick points. The number of man is six. Six reasons why I think people go. It's a mystery. I don't have it all down. 
But why do we go through the dark night of the soul? Number one, God's purpose in your life to be fulfilled. Not your purpose, but God's purpose. I'm convinced that God is able to use darkness to pull purpose out of your life. You can continue, continue down the road to Tarshish and get on ships and buy tickets and run away from the presence of God. He can throw you in fish guts. And in the darkest moment, pull you into his purpose. The reason why you're sucking air on earth. The reason why he created you and desires you to be in relationship. God can use it. He used it in Jacob's life. He used it in Joseph's life. He used it in Jonah's life, in Peter's life, even in Jesus' life. And on and on and on. He uses darkness in order to fulfill his, pur his purpose. I hate to tell you. No, I don't hate to tell you. I'm glad to tell you. I'm glad to tell you, his purpose is higher than your purpose. You get off and you think that your business is more powerful than God's business. I got to tell you, he can yank you back into purpose. A seed is only a seed unless you plant that seed into darkness. A seed Never was meant to stay a seed. You're never meant to do your own thing. But when you put that seed down into darkness and moisture hits it and warmth hits it and light hits it and it begins to spring forth toward the light, then all of a sudden the seed is fulfilling its purpose. It becomes the plant that God intended it to be or a tree and produce fruit. God will use darkness in order to line you up with his purpose. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light, I like that word, light, affliction, our light affliction. I go to the gym. I go in there and I lift weights. My buddy right back there, Josh is back there. I run into him. He's a pretty yoke guy. We lift weights. Some of you in here I might run into the light affliction which is but for a moment, look what it says, is working for you. The dark moment is working for you. It's not working again. When you're in the, the darkest moment of your life, you feel like you're living in hell. You're like, this, no way this could be working for me. The Bible says it's working for you, an exceedingly weight of glory. When you're in the gym, you, just, you don't always go in there and max out. You just continue to lift the light affliction. Why? So that you can hopefully get stronger, hopefully, you know, get in better shape. That light affliction is working for you. The dark night of the soul is working for you so that you can carry the weight of the glory of God upon your life. Number two, say this with me, passion. Anybody that I've ever seen that's went through the dark night of the soul, comes out passion nuts. They're full of passion. Not still passionate about their thing, even though that's good, have your own thing, that's good. But they're passionate about the things of God. They're passionate 
for people and, and life and, and the things that God is passionate about. When you go through the dark, dark night of the soul, I'm telling you, have you wondered why is, why I'm not, not passionate? Did you bail in the night of darkness? Did you bail? I want to let you know God will birth passion in your life. Listen, unless there's something to conquer, more than a conquer, unless there's something to battle, where's the victory? Unless there's something to overcome, where are we more overcoming? I know Christ has done that, but I want to let you know there's a place where God allows us to go through things so that you can say, I'm more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in me. I can do all things through Christ who struggles. I've been through the battle. I've been through the dark. Man, I've been through hell. And the world needs to be able to see that. Everyone say, put passion in your soul. Don't bail out. Number three, endurance. Endurance. The Bible says, for you have need of endurance. So as after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Endurance, that word is a very cool word, hypomony. Endurance, consistency. Endurance in the New Testament characterized of a man, listen, would not sway from the deliberate purposes and his loyalty to faith. Hoopomony, hypomony. Even in the greatest trials and sufferings, they would not sway. You have need of hoopomony. Tell your neighbor right now, stay the course. Oh, no, no, talk back to me. Talk. Hey, we didn't come to play church. Talk back to me. Tell them, stay the course. Tell another one. Say, hold. Hold the line. You remember in Braveheart, how many of you saw Braveheart? And they're, they're, they're about to attack. They're, they're coming at them. And, and man, the Braveheart guys have created these incredibly long kind of shish kebabs. You know what I'm saying? Human shish kebab. And he's like, hold. Hold. They don't know what's about to hit them. Enemies coming at them. Hold. You're like, man, they're going to overtake you. Hold. And all of a sudden, they pull them up. Wow. I probably should not have told that the story. But you have need of endurance in this walk with Christ. Number four, in the night of the soul, the dark night of the soul, listen to me. Listen to me real good. Healing takes place. Healing. How do you know, J.O.? I've been there. I've been there. I remember whenever... My wife was pregnant with my son, Seth. She gained 67 pounds because she was pregnant. I lost, I lost about that much. She looked like she was married to her little boy or something. I didn't lose 67 pounds, but I lost a lot. I was in the, the night of hell. Didn't know if I was going to make it. You know what God was doing? I don't care if you believe me or not. He was healing me deep inside. He was delivering me deep inside. Can I show that theologically? I, I think so. But I can tell you 
out of my testimony what he did. He brought healing to my soul. Tori Amos says, to heal the wound, you have to go into the dark night of the soul. Psalms 30 verse 5 says, weep and endure for a night. Everyone say night. Dark. But joy comes in the morning. Healing takes place. Number five, revelation in life. The dark night, Joseph Campbell says, the dark night of the soul comes just before revelation. When everything is lost, then comes new life and all that is needed. I tell you, a beautiful picture of that is a baby in the womb. Nine months in darkness, being created, wonderfully formed. And then at the end of that season, all of a sudden, here comes the baby. What happens? In the dark night of the soul, life comes at the end of it. If you're going through the dark night of the soul, or if you're faced with it, I want to let you know, don't ask God to deliver you out of it. Finally, finally, he's answering your prayers. You've been praying for this. Don't ask him to bail out. Don't bail out. Man, stay in it because at the end of it is life. Life. Revelation. Understanding of what you're here for. Understanding what the plan is for your life. Understanding is what for your marriage and your family. Revelation and life comes through darkness. Number six, resurrection power. Jesus was planted in darkness for three days. <laughs> but uh-oh, devil thought he had defeated. He comes up in resurrection, power. At times, dreams and visions and your desires must die in order for them to rise with supernatural resurrection power. Listen to this. God will allow some things sometimes to die that of, are of you, to bring back to life again that of which is of him with resurrection power. If you're going through the dark night of the soul, listen to me real good. Your light is about to break forth. When it's the darkest moment, the coldest moment, Get ready. You're about to break forth. In closing tonight, the second persons that I wanted to talk to, I saved the best for last. The one that made doubt in Jesus Christ. You came in here, you're like, hey man, I'm going to go to Easter tonight just because that's what you do on this weekend, I guess. Your wife dragged you all up in here. Maybe a friend got you in here. They worked it, got you. You doubt Jesus. You need to listen to me real good. Because this night's for you. This moment's for you. This day is for you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. For the one today who doubts concerning Christ, if you've never been born again, regenerated, listen to me, rebirthed, or you're like the prodigal son. Listen to me real good. You're, you've walked away from Christ. 
I want you to hear what God has for you tonight. When a person is regenerated or reborn, listen to me real good, you're not just, when you meet Jesus, he doesn't just make your life a little bit better, like a nice diet. When you meet Jesus and he comes into your life and you believe upon him like I've been talking about tonight, he makes you a brand new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. He doesn't just, you don't just add Jesus to your little iPhone or something like that. He makes your whole, your whole entire life brand new. This whole weekend was planned for you. God has a desire. He desires you. He desires to be in a relationship with you. There's no way I knew why I was here on earth before I knew Jesus. Because you don't know why you're here on earth until you know the one who created you. We brought in the guy who actually created the sound system, all the speakers and all the stuff that is too loud for a lot of people. <laughs> we brought him in. And it was like he spent three days here work putting this on. Wow, what a great person to bring in. Who else would you want to bring in than the creator of the system, right? Well, God is the one that created you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And it breaks his heart, breaks my heart. I don't even believe on him. Man, scratch that for tonight. Because though you don't believe in him, he believes in you. And he is chasing after you. And he desires you. And the God void in your heart that you've been missing, that you can't fill it. You can be in a room with a lot of people and still feel lonely. You can have a lot of stuff and still feel empty because you'll never fill that thing in your heart that can only be filled by the Creator, God. He loves you. Sin came into the world through Adam and Eve, which followed corrosion and death. Darkness followed. But I want to let you know that light came into the world. His name is Jesus to defeat sin and to defeat death so that you could live forever. Death is dead. Death is dead through Jesus Christ. Hell, for the believer, now has no authority over the believer's life. Jesus came as the light of the world, says this in Isaiah, People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. It's Christ. What will you do tonight with the truth that Jesus came and died for you? Now, that can sound so generic, but I want you to bring it home with me right now tonight. That Jesus died. There was a guy that died for me. Say that with me. Jesus died for me. He did. What are you going to do with that truth? Are you going to continue not to believe that? Why did he die? Sin. God's holy. He could not come into the presence of God 
as a sinner. He came and took on the entire sin of the world. Yours and mine. J.O., I'm just not that bad of a guy. Well, I got news for you. Yes, you are. I told you I was going to share truth with you. Has anybody ever lied in the room before? Raise your hand. Some of you, come on now. You've never lied? Okay, let's call it, let, let me ease it up. How many of you have told a white lie? Oh yeah, you still lied. That's a sin. And it's not like, oh, he's a liar and he's a white liar and he's a big liar and he's a murderer. It's sin. And if you sin once, you need a savior. And his name is Jesus. What will you do with that truth? That he came to die for your sin and and die to defeat hell, die to defeat death, so that you could live forever. He did it all for you and I. And he says, what do you have to do? You believe. You receive it. You know what I did back in 86? Let me tell you what I did with the truth. My parents had gotten killed when I was 8 years old. I was pretty jacked up. At 12 years old, I struggled, began to struggle immensely with depression and anxiety. I mean, I was a basket case at 12. At 17, I went to a car wreck. When I got to the car wreck, got out of my car, about two miles from where I was raised, got out of the car. Somebody tried to keep me in the car, and I, no, I'm here. Got out. My sister was laying by the road. She had been killed three months pregnant. I dove off into a life of addiction Jacked up, hurting. Someone invited me to a church service, something like this, December the 7th, 1986. I got up out of my dorm room. I bounced the night before. Got out of my dorm room. Who gets out of a dorm room and decides to go to church? You know, because you don't decide. It's a God thing. I drove to another state, into another city, and I went to a church service and I heard that I could be forgiven. That he died for me. That I could have a new life. A new start. That I could be a new creation. Like, this is a, this is a no-brainer, man! I want it! And all I got to do is receive it and believe it. What? what? And I did it. And then he met me. Marcos knows what I'm talking about. A lot of you know what I'm talking about tonight. And then my life was forever changed. Listen to this scripture in closing. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them, as many as re receive him, to them he gave them right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Just receive and believe. Gee, I don't want to. How is your life working now without Christ? It does not work right. It cannot work right. He's the author and finisher. He's the creator. Oh, you can, I used to do it, man. You can kind of get around. But it's not what God has intended for you.